0: The gospel according to Mark chapter number one this evening. Mark chapter number one. And as we look at God's word this evening, I'm praying that He would use His word to be a blessing in your life this evening, as this text of scripture has been a blessing in my life for the last several weeks. We've been journeying as a church family on Sunday mornings through Mark's gospel, and Mark only contains 16 chapters. It's a fast-moving book of the Bible where the author of John Mark, writing primarily to a Gentile audience, and he is presenting Christ as the, the suffering servant. And so you'll see all throughout this passage of Scripture and all throughout the book of the Bible, Mark, words like immediately and straightway. And it's presenting Christ always on the move, always about His Father's business, doing the work of a servant. And I'm I'm so thankful tonight that we have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. He has given us an example, a pattern in our own life to follow and to emulate that we can strive to be like in our own life as we are striving to become more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look this evening, if you would please, at Mark chapter number 1 and in verse number 35. and The Bible says, and in the morning rising up a great while before day. How many of you tonight are morning people? Can I hear you say Alright, how many of you are later afternoon people or mid-morning? Amen. Night owls, that's you. And in the morning rising up a great while before day, He went out and He departed into a solitary place, and there... The next word says what, church? He prayed, Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightway charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, and show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter." Let's bow forward a prayer. Father, we love You, and we thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace to us. We thank You that You are rich in mercy, that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're thankful tonight that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, that we have been saved and delivered and rescued, that we have hope of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying tonight that, Lord, as we study Your Word for just a few moments, that that we would have a sense of all of who Jesus is, and that, Lord, in our lives that we would strive to become more like the Master. And that, Lord, that You would change us this evening, and that what we hear and as we walk through Your life, that we would implement these attributes in our, in our own life tonight, that we could serve You better and love You more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tonight if you think with me for just a few moments, if you were given the opportunity to spend 24 hours of one day with anybody that has ever walked the face of this earth, either dead or even alive this evening, who would that one person be? Maybe you go back in time, and history, and you think about a president of the United States that you have studied or perhaps you've admired from afar, you've read biographies about that person's life. What were the questions that you would ask that individual? What were the things that you would like to learn from that president? Maybe it would be a a general that led his troops in, in battle, and through unforeseen circumstances and dark, difficult times that that general of that army perhaps led his troops to a victorious battle. What were the questions that you would glean from his leadership, and what were the questions that you would ask of his own life and how to lead and manage people? Maybe you're like me, and perhaps an athlete comes to mind that you would like to sit down and and observe and watch and and talk about the things that made his life and his craft uh, so valuable and so important. Uh, Maybe this person would be considered the goat of this athletic uh, sphere or influence. Maybe you want to spend some time with, in my opinion, the greatest athlete of all time, the greatest basketball player of all time, which is none other than, of course, Michael Jordan. Now I know that I'm in L.A., so maybe tonight you are a, a LeBron James fan or a Kobe Bryant fan, but you ask them some questions and about what made them so special and their, their passion, their drive, their, their urgency to become the best. Uh, maybe tonight you would spend some time with a successful business person. One that started or founded a company and led that business to be profitable in millions and even billions of dollars. Maybe tonight you would spend time with a family member that's gone home to be with the Lord. Or maybe perhaps a a grandma or grandpa or great-grandparent that came to this country and and endured some hard times perhaps, and and forged their way here in the United States of America so that your family could be here this evening. Spending time with these people that would be of our perhaps top ten list, or for one hour, for 24 hours of one day, we would gain some insightful information about their life and their journey. Discovering some things in our own life that no doubt would be very educational, and even perhaps very spiritual in our life. but Just for a moment, could you imagine what it would be like to spend a day with the Lord Jesus Christ? Imagine for just a moment, if you could, to have 24 hours of time that would be uninterrupted, and you got to watch and walk with Jesus. You saw His life, and you saw His ministry, and you begin to ask questions and begin to perhaps discuss theology questions about the the mystery and the miracle of who He is and, and what He did. We would learn some amazing spiritual truths that quite frankly I believe would transform our lives. We would learn and make changes in our life daily that would emulate and reflect the time that we spent with Jesus. What example would He show us? What, would, what could we emulate as a result of spending 24 hours in time with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, in Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter number 1, we are going to do just that. And I promise you this evening my sermon is not 24 hours long, but let's just for a few moments this evening walk and spend the day with Jesus. It says in verse number 35, and in the morning. We're meeting Christ in the morning, rising up a great while before day, and what's happening in this day? If you were to read the verses prior to verse 35 beginning in verse 21, you would notice that Jesus was in a region called Capernaum. and There on that Sabbath day, Jesus Christ was teaching people in that synagogue. And everybody that heard the Lord Jesus Christ teach and preach, they were astonished at His doctrine. Jesus' teaching and preaching was different. Why? Because the Bible says in verse 22 that He preached and taught with one that had the word as authority. Why? Because Christ is authoritative. Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and in the middle of that service in the synagogue. And perhaps in your life you've been in situations like this, and a very strange encounter took place. You know, some there are some things that happen in a church service that are humorous. There there are some things that happen in a church service that are emergency situations. There are some things that happen in a church service that quite frankly don't happen any other place in the world but in church services. Here in this service. Jesus is confronted by a man, the Bible says in verse 23, that has an unclean spirit. And in the middle of his teaching, in the middle of his preaching, this demon possessed man, he cries out and he says, Let us alone, verse 24. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of, of Nazareth? Now imagine that service for just a moment. Jesus is teaching, Jesus is reading the scriptures of the Old Testament. And right in the middle of his teaching and preaching, a demon-possessed man stands up and begins questioning Jesus. And Jesus begins to rebuke that that devil and that demon in that man's life, and here's the authority of Jesus, verse 25, he rebukes the unclean spirit. And that man that was demon-possessed, he cried out, and he was delivered by the authority and power of Jesus. We're seeing here that Christ has authority over demonic spirits. and We see later on in the book of Philippians that every knee will bow things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But here Christ is authoritative. Christ has authority over demon possession and, and people that are possessed with devils and demons. And here in that service, in that worship service, and He's teaching and He's preaching and the Bible says that as he got done, immediately, verse 28, people began to hear about the fame of Jesus Christ. And he comes, and he enters the house of Simon, Simon and Peter, and his mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And I will refrain this evening from mother-in-law jokes, but there she was, and the fever that was leaving her, and Christ now has authority not just over demons but over disease, and spends the night there in that that village of Capernaum, and, and people thronging and pressing at the door of a house where Jesus Christ is, and He has been busy. Boy, it's been a busy day on that Sabbath day of ministry, and Christ no doubt is exhausted. For those of you that preach or teach on a regular basis, you know that teaching and preaching it can drain you physically and emotionally. Uh, my wife will sometimes make fun of me because I feel like a zombie on a Sunday afternoon or even a Sunday evening as I come back home. Well, I'm in la la land. I don't she she can ask me for anything. And get it from me, because my mind is not mentally and my body physically engaged, I'm worn out. And here's Christ, He's he's exhausted, no doubt. But what does He do the next day? What does Jesus, how does He start that day? And as we look for just a few moments, a day in the life of Jesus, notice first of all how He began His day. He began His day by spending time in prayer. As we begin and look at the life of Jesus Christ, how did He begin His day? He began His day in prayer. Verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there He prayed. He prayed. Why would Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh, why would Jesus pray? Well, of course, we know that He was God in the flesh after all, and He came in this world and in this life, and as a spirit-filled man, He, he did not empty Himself of, of, of who He was, of God, but we also know that Christ was a man, and He, was, he subjected Himself to a body that was weary. He subjected Himself to a body that would grow tired. He subjected Himself to be like us and be tempted in all points like we are, yet the Bible says He was without sin. Jesus prayed because it was in His life that He lived in total dependence upon the Father. Jesus prayed because He wanted to have total unhindered fellowship with the Father. Jesus wanted the Holy Spirit to flow through His life in absolute freedom and in power. Thus, Jesus was doing every effort to stay close and in constant communion with His Father. Now, if Jesus this evening, church, would do that, if Jesus would make prayer a practice of His life, how much more this evening in our life should we be people of prayer? You say, Pastor Tim, what is prayer? Prayer is simply the humble act of declaring our dependence upon God. Prayer is a petition. Prayer is making a request. Prayer is direct access to God and a direct address to God. It is the communication of the human soul with the Lord who created the soul. So let me ask the question, church, if Christ modeled prayer for us, and if Christ compels us and challenges us to pray, do you pray? Do you begin your day in prayer? Do you spend time with our Heavenly Father? Is prayer a habit of your life? You say, well, I pray for my meals, and I pray before bed. Thank the Lord for that. I think you should do that. But as we see the life of Christ, as we spend time with Him in this day, prayer was the priority. Prayer was the practice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice several thoughts about this prayer that Jesus made in this prayer time that He had. First of all, that prayer was prioritized in the life of Jesus. Jesus prioritized prayer in His life. How do we see that? Look at the text again, verse number 35. The Bible says, and in the morning. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, Christ prioritized prayer. Now, had it been a busy day prior to that? Absolutely. Had Christ been doing ministry? Yes, He had. Was Christ's body, perhaps no doubt, exhausted and physically and emotionally and mentally drained? Sure, of course, we don't understand that. But what does He make prayer in His life? He makes it a priority, and priority this, e- this evening can be defined as something given or meriting attention before competing alternatives. You know, if you're like me, there's always something competing for my time. There's always something competing for my attention. Even now in this service, perhaps you have a cellular device on your body, and that phone is going off and it's dinging, and there's things that are happening outside of these walls this evening, and is craving and desiring your time and your attention. But what does Christ do? Christ makes prayer a priority. We have family time ball games, music lessons, after-school assignments, work projects and deadlines to meet, personal errands to run, fixing things in our house that are broken, doctor's appointments and visits to attend to, church attendance and ministry that we are involved in. But do you this evening make prayer a priority in your life? Is prayer a habit that's consistent and constant in your life? Jesus challenged us in Matthew 6 and verse number 33 that we're to seek first the kingdom of God, the priority first. Seek first the kingdom of God. David said in Psalm 5 and in verse number 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up to thee. David also said in Psalm 88 and verse number 13, but unto thee have I cried, O Lord. And in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Christ prioritized prayer in His life. Do you make prayer a priority? But notice, secondly, as we think about the life and prayer of Christ, He prioritized prayer, but this prayer was also in a private location. It was in a private location. Look at verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and He departed into a, here it is, solitary place, and there prayed. I'm thankful tonight that you and I, as God's people, can pray anywhere and everywhere. Amen? Uh, That literally right now in your seat you can be praying, Holy Spirit, fill me as I hear the teaching and preaching of Your Word. Uh, We don't have to be in a specific location in order for God to hear our prayers. We understand that. You don't have to be in a church building to pray. Thank God for the place of prayer, the house of prayer. Uh, You can be driving down the road and be in prayer. I would recommend that as you're driving up, keep your eyes open if you're driving and praying. We can walk and pray. Uh, We can lay down and pray. Uh, We can sit at the table and pray, but what does Jesus do in His life? says that He departs into a solitary place, a place of isolation, a place the Bible gives the impression of a wilderness place. It was a place where Jesus Christ was alone, a a place where He was free from distractions and attractions of this world. There was no radio, there was no noise, there was no social media, no people, no cell phone service. Jesus was just left alone in communication with the Father. Recently saw, of course you've heard how Pastor Charles Stanley went home to be with the Lord, and I saw one of his uh, 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 friends and family members had taken a picture of what he called his prayer closet, and there was a chair and there was a rug and there was a bed that he could lay prostrate on and pray and have a place of isolation that was tuned out and blocked out from the distractions of this world, and he could be in prayer with his Father. You know tonight, church, let me ask the question, where is your place? Where is the place of isolation that you go and you enter into your spiritual closet to pray? Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 6 that when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That place of isolation, that place of secret, Do you have a place. Maybe your place of isolation is your vehicle. Maybe it's a park. Maybe it's a trail. Maybe it's a room in your house, but is there in that place that God wants to speak to you and is calling you to speak to Him, the private place. But notice, there's a third thought about this prayer, that His prayer was not just in a private location and His prayer life was not just prioritized, but His prayer life was prolonged. The prayer life of Jesus was prolonged. He says there in verse number 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. The tense of that phrase, and there he prayed, means and gives the idea that he was continuing in prayer. This was not a brief prayer. This was not a few moments of prayer, but this was a time that was carved out in the day in the life of Jesus where he spent significant time with the Father. And I'm thankful, I'm not teaching and preaching that, that God, you have to pray X amount of minutes in order for God to get to hear you and answer your prayer. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying this was not a rush time. This was not an interrupted time. Th- this was not a casual encounter that Christ was doing. This was a passionate, private time where Christ would bear His heart to His Father and depend upon the Spirit of God for the work of ministry. It's been stated before that the average Christian prays less than five minutes a day. But do you spend time with the Lord? Do you yearn to spend time with Jesus? Do you look forward in the morning time to get up to walk with our Savior, Jesus? Do you, do you long for those private moments of isolation where you can be uninterrupted and unhindered by the distractions of this life and spend time with our Savior, Jesus, Jesus? was a man, and of course a God-man that spent time in prolonged prayer. He had private prayer in a location that was solitary. He prioritized prayer, but notice the fourth thought here about prayer in the life of Christ was that prayer preceded ministry. Prayer in the life of Christ, and what are we learning? It preceded ministry. Here's the question. On this Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath day, When Christ got up, what had He been doing just the day before? Ministry. He was casting out devils in the synagogue. He was teaching and He was preaching. He was healing the man, uh, Peter's mother-in-law that had the fever. And He wakes up the next morning, and he, He spends time in prayer with the Father. And what was Christ now about to go do on this particular day? He was about to go do ministry. As a matter of fact, I want you to see in verse number 38. He says that the disciples found Him and they called Him and beckoned Him, so let us now go to the next towns that I may, here it is, preach there also. What was Jesus going to do as He left Capernaum? He was going to do ministry. He was going to teach and He was going to preach, and even here the Bible says that He's going to heal a man that has a disease of leprosy. In the ministry of Christ we see oftentimes that it was prayer that preceded ministry. This is a great reminder for us as a church, because if we're not careful, the longer that we're saved, the more that we know ministry, the more that we know the Bible, the more that we know the lyrics on the screen, the more that we know all the right notes to hit and all the right timing of when the next slide comes up, the, the danger for the church is this, that we can do ministry absent of His power. But what does Jesus do? Jesus recognizes in His life that He says, I must have the Spirit's fullness and power upon my life because I know that in the next town I'm going to be preaching, in the next town there's going to be healings, and lives are going to be challenged, and lives are going to be changed, and so I must spend time with my Father in prayer. You know, church. We cannot teach, we cannot preach, we cannot sing, we cannot usher, we cannot be a greeter in the church unless we are a people that are bathed in prayer, bathed in His power. Because power is always preceded by prayer. As a matter of fact, you would see in the book of Acts, in chapter number two, as the apostles and the church was gathered together on the day of Pentecost, they were in one accord. And what were they doing? They were praying. And what happened? The wind that came, the mighty rush of cloven tongues of fire that were above their head, and 3,000 souls in one day were added to the church. Well, I don't think there's anybody here tonight that would not love to have a Pentecost Sunday here at Liberty Baptist Church. Well, I yearn, I long for the Spirit to move in a supernatural way at Hillview Baptist Church where the people of God know that that was not just a presentation of a a man that had the the ability to execute the Scripture so profoundly, and it was a man that was a good public speaker, but there was a man that stood behind a pulpit and opened the Word of God that had a Bible in his hand and preached with authority and preached with passion and preached with the power of God upon his life. Oh, I want God to do that. It's surprise. I want God to do that even here at Liberty Baptist Church. But if we want the power, it must be preceded by prayer. And what happened? The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and verse 42, that they continue to steadfast in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship in breaking bread in prayers. prayers. God did a work. God moved that church. It preceded ministry. Prayer always brings power. It's been stated before that little prayer brings little power, but great prayer brings great power. Ian Bounds once said it this way, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but what the church needs today is men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men that are men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. He said, the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come upon machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but He anoints men, men of prayer. So the question, church, is this, do you pray? Do you pray? The missionary that's here tonight can even attest to this from the country of England there in the city of London, Charles Spurgeon, and the great metropolitan tabernacle as he would preach and teach there every Sunday morning, thousands of people would flock to hear the prince of preachers teach and preach. One group of men came to Spurgeon one day, and, and he was there on that Lord's Day, and they asked the men, do you want to see our boiler room? And These young men thought to themselves, why in the world do we want to see a place that heats the building of this great metropolitan tabernacle? Spurgeon took him to the basement there, and in that basement there was hundreds of men and women that were praying. And what he was teaching and what he was saying was, it's this boiler room of prayer that heats this church. And what this church could be and what our church could be this evening, if we would just pray. If we would spend time in private and secret and prioritize prayer in our life like the Lord Jesus Christ did. Now, as I think about prayer this evening, I'm convicted because when I preach a message about prayer, all of us would perhaps agree that our prayer life is not what it should or could be. But could you imagine for just a few moments if there was literally hundreds of people at Liberty Baptist Church that prayed for your pastor on a weekly basis, that prayed for your church, that God would move, pray for the staff, the leadership, the vision, the mission of the church. Pray for the purity of the church. Pray for the doctrine of the church. Pray that lost people would come to know Christ as their Savior. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. So this evening, as we consider just for a few moments the day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, what did He do? He prayed. So tonight, I don't want to simply just preach a message about prayer. And have us go on our way, and not apply it to our own lives, and not a— Put implement implement it into our own daily rhythm of life, but my, my prayer would be this evening that as you have heard a message about the life of Christ and the prayer life, specifically about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we would just not be a hearer of the Word, but that we would be then a doer of the Word. That you would prioritize prayer tomorrow in your life. That you would find that solitary place in your life of prayer. That you in your life this evening would be prolonged in prayer, that you'd spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ, and recognize that without Christ's power upon our life, without prayer that we are nothing. Without His power, we are just clinging cymbals and, and a sounding trumpet that makes a lot of noise but accomplishes nothing. So tonight, church, as we have spent the day with Jesus in the morning hours, Jesus prayed. My question to you tonight is this, do you pray? Is prayer important in your life? If not, would you start tonight? Would you make some changes in your daily, weekly rhythms of life, that you'd be a man, a woman, a child, a teenager of prayer, that we could see God do great and mighty things through this church and through our lives as we are dependent upon him solely as we are a people of prayer. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.